experimentally evaluating whether honesty generalizes by Paul Cristiano. Welcome to the Nonlinear Library, where we use text-to-speech software to convert the best writing from the rationalist and EA communities into audio. This is, Experimentally Evaluating Whether Honesty Generalizes, published by Paul Cristiano on the AI Alignment Forum. If we train our ML systems to answer questions honestly in cases where humans can check the answer, will they generalize to behave honestly on questions where we can't check? I think that we could learn a lot about this question by running experiments today. I think those experiments would be very valuable. I don't know anyone currently planning on working on this topic and I'd love it if anyone wants to take that up. This post doesn't represent a claim to any credit for any results in this genre, and other people have had very similar ideas. If you run some experiments you could cite this post but it's also fine if that doesn't make sense in context. The unsupervised translation setting. As an example, I'll think about unsupervised translation, if you've read that post you can skip this section. Consider a model like GPT-3 that is trained to predict sentences in both English and French, but without a large dataset of translations. Suppose we want to train this model to answer questions in English about French sentences like what does that word mean here? Or are there any other plausible interpretations? Or how does the speaker seem to feel about the topic they are discussing? We expect this to be possible, because the model understands quite a lot about the meaning of sentences in French, and is able to express itself in English. There may be cases where the model doesn't know the translation of a concept, or doesn't quite understand what an idiom means, but it should still be able to tell us what it does know. I think this problem is an interesting analogy for a situation where an AI has built up superhuman knowledge by making predictions, and we want to train our AI to expose that knowledge to us in a useful way. Proposed experiments. Let's pick a few categories of knowledge capabilities. For example, we could split it up into an understanding of grammar, why would it have been a grammatical error to write two vas in that sentences, of the literal meanings of expressions, what does defond mean in this sentence, and evaluating tone, does the speaker seem angry or sad about the topic they are discussing? We'll assume that humans can oversee a few of these categories. Perhaps we can look up literal meanings of words and small phrases in a dictionary and we can look up grammar in a textbook, but we don't know how to assess tone beyond looking at the literal meanings. Then we wonder, what happens if we fine-tune our model so that it answers questions well in all the domains we can evaluate? We know that the model knows something about connotations, because it uses connotations to predict next words. But will it tell us what it knows? Grammar definitions tone. Uses to make predictions. Gives accurate answers. In this picture, the indicates that we've selected our model to use the given knowledge in the given way, for example we've ensured that it uses its knowledge of syntax to predict the next word, and that it accurately answers questions about syntax. The, indicates that we don't know whether using SGD to fill in the other five boxes means that we get the sixth box for free. I started thinking about this picture of generalization based on a talk by John Schulman, who suggested that generalization may be more likely when it amounts to filling in missing cells from this kind of grid. In this example I described a tiny number of categories. That wasn't just for illustration purposes, I think these experiments are particularly interesting when the total number of categories is more like 3 to 5 than 1000, See why try to generalize from n equals 3 to 5 below. Evaluation. When it really counts we won't be able to tell if our model answers questions honestly in the last cell. But in an experiment today we could do so easily. We have a bunch of bilingual speakers who can give or evaluate answers about syntax definition slash tone. At training time we get them to only give answers in the first two categories, and then at test time we ask them to evaluate answers in the third category. We could quantitatively compare answers in the third category to the quality of answers in the first two categories, or we could qualitatively evaluate what kinds of mistakes the system makes when transferring. 
rather than comparing across different categories, which may have very different difficulties, it's probably better to fix a domain for evaluation, say grammar, and compare the performance of a models that do and don't hold out grammar. Other splits. Instead of having one column per type of knowledge, we could have a column for different language pairs. For example, we could supervise a translator for German and for Spanish and then see if it transfers to French. Have a column for different levels of sentence complexity. For example, we could supervise a translator for sentences with first grade to eighth grade reading levels and see if it transfers to college reading levels. Have a column for different domains. For example, we could supervise a translator for fiction and news articles and see if it transfers to informal dialogues. If the results were different across different splits, it would be great to understand why. I'm not sure what kind of division is best to start with. Even if starting with different capabilities, I think that grammar, definition, tone is not the best division. Training for plausibility or coherence. My guess is that this experiment won't work if we train on two categories and ask it to generalize to the third. But I think it's a lot more likely to work if we train for plausibility or coherence. Even if I don't know how to answer questions about the tone of French sentences, I know what kind of answers I'm looking for. For example, if I ask is the author angry or sad? And the model replies en colère means angry then I can tell that's not a good answer. If the model says the use of the word fin in this sentence suggests the author is more likely to be sad than angry then I know that's the kind of thing I'm looking for, even if I can't evaluate whether it's actually correct. I can easily define a reward function, based on human evaluations, that will discourage the totally wrong answers. So in parallel with training my model to give good answers about the domains I know, grammar, definitions, I can train it to give at least plausible answers about the domains I don't know. So our original diagram now has an extra column. Grammar definitions tone. Uses to make predictions. Gives plausible answers. Gives accurate answers. Basically we've ruled out the models that just go totally off the rails for our new category, and are restricted to models that either tell the truth, or have learned how to bullshit effectively. But we force the models to actually tell the truth in the other two domains, so it's kind of plausible that the easiest thing to learn is just to tell the truth in all categories. You could also test the picture with only the plausibility check, though see concerns about the analogy below. We could even take this idea further by imposing more elaborate consistency checks. For example, I could compare the claim tone to the literal meaning of the sentence, and penalize an answer if it seemed too implausible. Or we could ask about the same linguistic construction in a few different contexts to see if the descriptions are consistent. This kind of thing could push us further in the direction of either telling the truth or bullshitting very convincingly. Other domains. I think these experiments are easiest to do for language modeling tasks. But in some ways they would be more convincing in other domains, see concerns about analogy below. For example, suppose that we have trained a model to simultaneously play Go and to answer questions in English. Then we start fine-tuning it to answer questions about the game of Go. For example, we might ask it is this group alive or dead? Or what do you think your opponent will do? Or which piece breaks this ladder? Or what are your threats in a co-fight? Or which of these shapes is stronger? We can ask the same question, if we train a model on several of these abilities, and train it to give plausible-looking answers to a held-out category, will it generally learn to give honest answers? And similarly we could ask if it generalizes across types of games or complexities of the board positions. Why I care? I've been thinking about the instrumental policy, a specific failure mode where smart systems learn to tell humans what they want to hear rather than be honest. Although I believe the instrumental policy will eventually be a severe problem, I don't think it will come up for existing systems like GPT-3. But generalization could fail for any number of other reasons. If existing systems actually generalize well, 
I'd update towards thinking the instrumental policy is the main reason to be pessimistic about generalization. And if they generalize poorly, then that gives us some more mundane problems that we can study empirically today. I think that even these early experiments may give us a lot of evidence about how to design partial supervision regimes where we combine some known answers with coherence conditions, and whether these methods work, and whether they are necessary. I don't know if those techniques will be important ingredients for alignment, but it seems useful to understand them better. Finally, I think that concrete evidence on this question would help clarify discussions about alignment and make progress on some thorny disagreements. If we observe systems that learn to bullshit convincingly, but don't transfer to behaving honestly, I think that's a real challenge to the most optimistic views about alignment and I expect it would convince some people in ML. Conversely, if we do observe generalization to held out kinds of knowledge, I think that should eventually start making pessimists lighten up, and would suggest some quantities to measure continuously to look out for initial signs of trouble. Other remarks. Relation to other work on generalization. The ML community is very interested in the question when and how do models generalize? That question combines a bunch of factors. Do models learn brittle heuristics or deep knowledge? Do they exploit correlations in the training set? Are models robust when some activations are pushed into quantitatively new regimes? And so on. The experiments in this post are designed to specifically shed light on something more like 2 to D robustness, by focusing on cases where in some sense the model knows how to handle the new domain, we are distinguishing failures of capability generalization from cases of motive generalization. We're not asking whether a model will generalize its understanding of language to a new domain, we're assuming that it still knows how to predict sentences in the new domain, and asking whether the machinery for reporting what it knows transfers along with the underlying capabilities. I think this particularly interesting to alignment, and is not well addressed by existing empirical work in ML. But I haven't done a thorough review and am definitely interested in pointers to related work. Because the ambition of this work is narrower, I think there is also room for algorithmic innovations, for example more clever coherence conditions, or different ways of combining training objectives, to solve this problem even if they have little hope of solving the full problem of generalize well. Why try to generalize from n equals 3 to 5 instead of n equals 1000? I've discussed diagrams with 3 to 5 columns, whereas ML generalization typically works better when we have a very large diversity of EDISH data points. I do think it's interesting to study the behavior quantitatively as we vary the number of columns. But I'm interested in the small end behavior because I think it may be analogous to the situation we ultimately care about. Namely, in the real situation the diagram might look more like. Humans can answer quickly humans can answer with careful thought careful humans make mistakes but a really thorough analysis can catch them humans never get the right answer. Uses info for other tasks. Gives plausible answers. Gives accurate answers. We don't really have a large number of ED columns, we only have a few genuinely novel jumps to a new regime of question and we need to generalize across them. There are definitely other kinds of diversity within each column, and that may improve the prospects for generalization. That's something we can study in the context of N equals 3 to 5, for example, If I want to generalize from 8th grade reading level to college reading level, does it matter if I have a larger diversity of kinds of questions about 8th grade reading level questions? Concerns about the analogy. If doing this experiment with language models, my biggest concern is that answer questions about French sentences honestly is very close to something that appears in the pre-training distribution, whereas bullshit convincingly about French sentences isn't. This may make it easier to learn the right generalization, but it will break down as we move to tasks that no humans know since those don't appear in the training set. I think the best way to avoid this problem would be to consider other domains, like a StarCraft player who can explain what's going on in the game to a human, without any pre-training data about StarCraft. 
I think it's worth revisiting this question if generalization turns out to work quite well. My gut sense is that the unsupervised translation task is cool enough, and different enough from the pre-training data, that it would be surprising and cool in any case, and that a strong positive result isn't too likely, maybe 50%, anyway. So it's reasonable to revisit this after initial positive results. A second concern is that our decompositions of knowledge may not be very analogous to questions human can answer versus questions humans can't answer. I'm a bit less concerned about this because I think we can learn a lot about the conditions under which generalization tends to occur or not, and then figure out whether questions humans can't answer feels like a special kind of category with respect to the actual determinants of generalization. If you were really concerned about this kind of thing, you could start more with examples like generalizing to harder reading levels, or to domains that most bilingual humans actually don't know, for example translations of technical language. Will these problems go away? I think a deep learning optimist might have a position like a weak model won't necessarily generalize well to new domains, but stronger models will generalize better. But I think that negative results on this kind of experiment should still be very interesting to such an optimist, because we are choosing domains where the capabilities of the model do already generalize. Moreover, we can augment the pre-training dataset to involve richer sets of questions, for example about non-translation tasks, and further close the gap between current models and speculative future models. Overall I would be relatively skeptical of someone who acknowledged that modern experiments don't demonstrate good generalization from a small number of categories, while expecting such generalization to occur for future systems just because they are smarter. Relation to deception. The instrumental policy, tell humans what they want to hear, is very similar to deceptive alignment. But I think that the experiments in this post may be a lot easier than other experiments designed to exhibit and characterize deceptive alignment. I expect these experiments to run into more mundane generalization failures well before encountering the instrumental policy. Although I think this kind of generalization is ultimately critical for avoiding deception, by helping us be epistemically competitive with a learned optimizer, we can study it long before we have examples of deception. I think that simple forms of the instrumental policy will likely arise much earlier than deceptive alignment. That is, a model can develop the intrinsic motivation tell the humans what they want to hear without engaging in complex long-term planning or understanding the dynamics of the training process. So my guess is that we can be carrying out fairly detailed investigations of the instrumental policy before we have any examples of deception. AI2. Curated. 44. Pingbacks. 25. How truthful is GPT-3? A benchmark for language models. 17. Truthful and honest AI. 15. And number 158, should we be optimistic about generalization? 9. And number 168, four technical topics for which OpenPhil is soliciting grant proposals. 21 comments, sorted by top scoring. Highlighting new comments since today at 12.36 a.m. New comment. Right here. Select text for formatting options. We support LaTeX, CMD4 for inline, CMDM for block level, control on Windows. You can switch between rich text and markdown in your user settings. Jonathan Uesito Formo. 6. Thanks for sharing these thoughts. I'm particularly excited about the possibility of running empirical experiments to better understand potential risks of ML systems and and contribute to debates about difficulties of alignment. 1. Potential implications for optimistic views on alignment. If we observe systems that learn to bullshit convincingly, but don't transfer to behaving honestly, I think that's a real challenge to the most optimistic views about alignment and I expect it would convince some people in ML. I'm most interested in this point. Fuck, the viewpoint you allude to here is something along the lines there will be very important decisions we can't train directly for, 
but will be able to directly apply ML to these decisions by generalizing from feedback on easier decisions. We can call this optimism about generalization, of honesty, on out-of-distribution tasks. I'm generally pretty skeptical about this position, see point 2 below. Odo, there is a different reason for optimism, along the lines of the set of decisions where humans never get the right answer is small to none, and we don't need to use ML directly for these cases, and this situation is helped dramatically by the fact that we can use ML for questions we can supervise to indirectly help us with these questions. For example, in amplification, ML systems can summarize important arguments on both sides of thorny questions, produce scientific insights we can directly evaluate, guide us through stacks of sub-questions, and so on. We can call this optimism about scalable oversight. My view is that a negative result in experiments proposed here would point against optimism about generalization, but not against optimism about scalable oversight. I'm curious if this seems right to you. And I imagine your view is that, A, this is still useful, since optimism about generalization is fairly common, among ML researchers you talk to, B, we should in fact currently have some uncertainty about optimism about generalization which this would address, C.2 below, and, C, in the limit, scalable human feedback might not be competitive with more heavily generalization-reliant approaches, and so we need to better understand these generalization questions too. 2. Skepticism about optimism about generalization, of honesty, on out-of-distribution tasks. I'd reasonably strongly, as a really rough number off the top of my head, greater than 80%, expect a negative result from these experiments, and I'm also generally pessimistic about the broader approach of optimism about generalization. For these experiments, this depends in large part on what's considered a positive or negative result. I agree that very plausibly. The model will generalize to answering the UD tasks with significantly non-zero accuracy. The results will be impressive to many people, look how well this model generalizes to tasks it's never directly trained on. At the same time, it seems very unlikely that counting on generalization alone would actually perform as well as directly supervising model outputs, for example on tone description tasks. Almost certainly, some fraction of the model responses are going to be plausible looking but incorrect, and this fraction will be larger than for the directly supervised model. There is some ambiguity over whether this should count as a negative result. I think we've discussed in the past that the comparison should ideally be between the generalization-only model, and the model which is directly supervised on the tone task but without acquiring any new information, for some fuzzy notion here. But if we're willing to say that this task is one where the capabilities of the model do already generalize, then it seems this would be a negative result. And more broadly, I think most people would agger. Thanks for listening. To help us out with the nonlinear library or to learn more, please visit nonlinear.org.